Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. What's up, everybody? You are listening to Light the Fight, and we're here to talk to you about stuff that parents are concerned about, family members are concerned about. There's feelings that we talk about, there's children, there's relationships, and we're here to provide you with new insight and information how to screw your relationships up even better (laughs) because it's job security for me and Heidi. See, you guys don't understand. We want you guys to listen to what we're saying, but if you did everything, you wouldn't have to come back and listen again to the podcast. So do <laughs> half of what we suggest, have some more strolls, come back for some more information, and we'll be in business a whole lot longer. Isn't that a good business plan? You know, I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> How many businesses really don't want you to be that successful with their products? Well, it just means that we'd have to work harder. We need to find other things, other problems. We could talk about problems in, in cooking and cleaning. I'll never forget my dentist buddy. He always said, brush and floss your teeth. But if you don't, that's good too. Job security for <laughs> that's me. That's pretty good. Pretty good. He said, job security for me. So that's a true statement actually. Right. So take all of our suggestions, but if you don't, job security don't for us. You don't have to really worry. I mean, you know, who actually really cleans their teeth enough? I mean, come on. It's complete. Oh, Brandon does, he says. Yeah, but I'm looking at some butterscotch teeth right now. I don't know if uh, I'm just kidding. He doesn't have butterscotch teeth. So, welcome to Light the Fight. We got to start off with a little bit of shake off all the seriousness. If you don't like my sarcasm, I don't blame you. I mean, I it's not that funny, but I'm coming to you after multiple deep, long conversations. So I'm just trying to like press the reset button. And yeah, it's kind of there's some heavy stuff today. I talked yesterday and today. We're a little heavier than normal. Not horrible heavy, but... Well, you know, I will say this. It's interesting to me that the statistics are that um, suicide suicide rates actually increase in the spring. Um, and I don't know. I think, I think that's interesting. Um, but that's one of the statistics that often gets talked about. And so I don't know if it's just like coming out of hibernation or... I don't, I don't know. It's always a, maybe maybe all times of year. Or I have a hard time, to be honest with you, making sense of a lot of statistics because some of them are so conflicting. And some of them, unfortunately, are, are blended mm. with, it, it's, I don't want to get into it, but I've, it's sometimes you read something and you're like, wait, I thought this was the truth. No, I thought this was true. Yeah. Are we the seventh in the country or are we the third? Are we the first or are we the fifth? And yeah. so, well, it depends on if you're talking about this age group versus this. I mean, it can get pretty complex. Um, well, so. and actually, I shouldn't, I shouldn't even say that because it doesn't matter what time of year when we meet together on these Tuesday nights, you're always exhausted. You're always exhausted. <laughs> Well, if you're always feeling it, it's either exhausted from a Tuesday night or if we met on a Saturday night, I'd be frustrated because it's my free time. And I'd be like, we have to do this on a Saturday. So (laughs) I'm going to complain either way. So thank you guys for dealing with my Dave's a complainer. I'm a complainer. My butt hurtedness. Is that a real thing? Like, (laughs) yeah, it is. Now I just made that up. I suffer from a lot of butt hurtedness, meaning I get really irritable. Actually, I don't. That's a joke. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's also the end of the day. We're tired. Yeah, we get tired. That's what it is. You get jibber jabber. So without further jibber jabber, Heidi came to me. She said, David, I think we need to talk about something. <laughs> like I always do. Yeah, like I always. And for her. I reach some, right into my notes. It's, you know, she goes into her bag of life experiences. And then, you know, Heidi, like all women, you always say this, Heidi. Well, I shouldn't say all women. Heidi, like some, like a lot of women tend to do, you talk to girlfriends, they talk to you about stuff they're going through, you connect some dots, you come up with common things. And something that, you know, 
just came up just this past weekend with you. You've heard it from other people. You just wanted to talk about. It. So, well, let's just start start talking. Okay. So here's here's an interesting um, experience that that I've had and actually had, like David said, a couple conversations about. Um, and for myself, well, here in the, here at Light the Fight, we talk a lot about modeling. And so we do know that even though, even if we try to say, do as I say and not as I do, that, in fact, I saw a meme just That would be modeling that, hypocrisy? <laughs> I saw a meme yes, the other day that said, your kids might not do a thing that you say, but they're going to do everything you do. And, um, and so we know that modeling is really important. And, and we've also talked about mirroring um, in other... In another episode, so if you if you like, kind of go way back to the beginning of our, it's in one of the earlier um, episodes that we talked about mirroring. And when we talked about that, we talked about the fact that just like when you look at a mirror to see, like as you leave the house or before you take a photo or whatever, <laughs> you look to see like how you should feel about how you look or something like that, you know. And we talked about how. Um, our kids or people in our lives might say something and then look at us to see how they should feel and, and get that mirroring effect. Um, well, today I've just kind of been, well, the past couple of weeks, just kind of learning a little bit about um, my relationships with my kids and how think they pick up on things that I don't really want to talk about or maybe stuff is going on with me and maybe they're not buying what you're selling. Maybe I think they're I'm hiding it better than I am. Um, and just, just to give you kind of a funny example, um, I kind of had, and this is, this is like probably two months ago. I kind of had like a dark week and I didn't realize I was putting off this vibe of talk to me and I'll kill you. <laughs> but um, I was really enthralled. Resting beast face, I think they call it. <laughs> I was really enthralled in a podcast I was listening to. So every time I was folding clothes or working on dinner or doing everything, I had headphones in. And like we've learned, when you're looking at your phone or maybe watching TV or listening to something – you might have a, an expression on your face that's a very do not approach look on your face. And somebody from the outside might be looking at you and not sure. They don't know if it's because what you're listening to or because you just are mad or because you're hungry or because you're dieting or because you're tired or whatever it is. Um, so I think, okay, so then I went on a road trip this week. And I was, you know, it's, it's really interesting to observe people like in gas stations when you're on road trips. And there was this particular mom that um, had a bunch of kids with her. And she, I, I mean, sometimes I think maybe I need to make up some cards that just say Light the Fight. And I should say, you might want to listen to Light the Fight podcast and just kind of just hand it. <laughs> to him because this was a particular person that I knew like her kids are small now but the way that she was talking and interacting with her kids I could tell there was there was kind of laying the groundwork of of some of some problems anyway um there was so the mirror wasn't really like foggy the mirror was super clear like was it mesquite <laughs> it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't mean to I, go ahead continue I I actually am not Fillmore. Now I'm trying to think. Now I'm trying to think where it was. But um Fillmore. Okay, Beaver. so Nephi. I was con I was my daughter, my oldest daughter, um, called me out and she was like, What's your problem anyway? And I was like, About what? I have no problems. You know, and the truth of the matter is, I was stressed. And I was unhappy. And I was trying to figure out my own stuff. And I was listening to podcasts. And I was listening 
to a book and I was trying to get myself some help and I was not in a good place. And it was not a mystery to my family, even though I thought, like, I didn't think it was. Well, what was happening is it was making my family really concerned um, and uncomfortable. And they didn't know if they had done something wrong. They didn't know what it was that was upsetting me because I wasn't sharing. So this particular road trip that I just told you about actually was Quincy and I alone. Um, and we had this six-hour drive down to Las Vegas and back. And then we spent this the whole weekend together, um, which we haven't done ever. Um, and they always say one-on-one -on -one time is really good. But there were some things that started to come out. <laughs> they always say one-on-one. -on -one. Who's they? <laughs> they always say one. Apparently one-on-one -on -one time with your kid's supposed to help. <laughs> well, Anyways. The they's. <laughs> we call them that. The they's. They always say that. Yeah, people are like, yeah. We've never said that here on, on this podcast that spending time with I mean, your kids is you, important for the brought relationship. brought up before. I've heard you bring that up, like that you should just have one-on-one -on -one time. But. <laughs> it's really I say, hard. I had to say something. <laughs> really Apparently, rumor has it. Go ahead. I, I apologize. So, I'm being rude. I'm sorry. No, it's true. She started calling me out and and wondering about some of my behaviors. And I could tell that she was taking them personally. And Wait, so the roles reversed right now. The I was the one that was stuck in my headphones. I was the one yeah. that, was, that was emotionally unavailable. And she was the one that was taking it personal. <laughs> yeah. And and so then I was like, So how much how much do I tell you? Do you really want to know? And if I do tell you, will you hold this against me forever for my whole life? And then if you open up that box, do you know when to shut it, mom? Like, you know how much <laughs> to share versus how much not to share? And and maybe th this is stuff that she just, she doesn't need to know. She's supposed to be a 17-year-old senior. This is supposed to be this fantastic time in her life. She doesn't want to know my problems. You know, and... Um, Except your problems of today or her problems of tomorrow. Man, I need a t-shirt that says, <laughs> my problems of today are your problems of tomorrow. Well, not guaranteed. And that's not a little, but it's like, that's the fear. It's but like, it, yeah. what is my mom going through now? Is that what I have in store for me? If she can't figure it, like, she has a mutual investment to help you figure out what you got going through so that she'll have better information. So when she gets to where you're at, to know how to figure it out herself. So then, you know, like, ironically, I was down in Las Vegas and I was speaking to a group of youth and one of my slides and I'm talking about connection I'm talking about how important relationships are and one of my but never one-on-one -on -one conversations <laughs> no are. no you want to keep it in large groups I'm sorry I'll large continue I keep on interrupting I'm sorry so one of the things is how do you make your weaknesses strengths that was my question like how do you make okay so it goes back to like we connect with our strengths no no I'm sorry I said that wrong we compete with our strengths and we connect with our weaknesses. So if we want to connect, how do we make, how do we utilize our weaknesses? And, and the reality is that, so on my slide that she's watching in this presentation that I'm giving, not on one-on-one -on -one because it's with the whole group, <laughs> and it says, you know, you got to be vulnerable. And I think in my mind, I'm thinking, the kids got to be vulnerable with the parents. And all of a sudden, you heard her in the audience, hypocrite. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, I was like, well, crap. I'm okay being vulnerable, like saying, this makes me sad or this makes me feel uncomfortable. But how do I really share the reality of what's going on in my life with, with my kids so that they understand that I don't just hate them? Or yeah. that not Re to take it personally. Reporting you know? your feelings isn't necessarily sharing your feelings. Right. And so ultimately what we're talking about is how do I model for my daughter how to be vulnerable so that she can have a connection? Mm. And how do you know how much to share in that vulnerable conversation and exchange? Right. 
and and is that inappropriate to sh- to to tell your kids maybe what's what you're struggling with? So I I just got to know. I, I want to know the end of the story before I read this book. <laughs> How did it end? Did you share more in this conversation? I mean, obviously you don't have to get into the details, but did you feel like looking back on it now? You say, yeah, I actually was pretty vulnerable by the time we got home from the trip. So here was the good thing. I am a solid, I would say six to eight weeks out of that really negative place that I was in. And in that time, I realized I was struggling and in talking to some of my friends and talking to my husband in really like journaling, that is almost, I, I, not video, I don't even think I video journaled this. I'm so sorry. But in regular journaling for normal people. <laughs> not the exceptional people. Because exceptional the, no. people video journal. It's very much for regular people journaling. You don't know what we're, you know what we're talking about. You got to go back to <laughs> I don't know what episode it was, but we talked about video journaling. A difficult episode. Um, so I start. I made some goals. I set some goals. And so what happened, the end of the book, what happened this weekend was that I was able to say, yes, this is what I, this, I was struggling with a couple of things, work things, identity issues. Newsflash, moms don't have their crap all together. And then I was able to say, and so I'm working. So this is the goal that I'm working on. And this is what I've chosen to do. And and I don't know how this is going to turn out, but this is what I'm trying. And she has been able to witness some of the efforts that I have been making. Um, and so the good news of that was that I felt... Like, it's, isn't it always easier to, like, well, way back then, six weeks ago, I, I was in, I was really sad. But now I have, you know, like, so I don't know what I would have said when I was still in the, tr- like, feeling like trash. But since then, I sort of started to pick myself, you know, I've picked myself up and I'm, and I'm actually doing some, so, I mean, I, f- I felt like being able to share a solution was easier than just sharing like an abyssful dark hole. Um, but what was good about it was that she had seen, she's, she's been watching it. She's been, like none of this was a surprise to her. I think she just really wanted to know how I was doing and if it was gonna if things were gonna work out you know and if I was okay um and I you know I kind of had this like I'm so sorry that you've been worried about me and I think we both felt so much better just that it was under like it became an understanding I didn't tell her everything <laughs> if that's what you're asking <laughs> well when you guys get to see us on YouTube which is going to be very soon <laughs> right Heidi you'll get to see my sarcastic eyebrows and facial expressions and smiles and, so helpful and you also get to see Heidi's very over the top like oh my god and I'm like over this oh, we're both pretty dramatic on both both of us are pretty dramatic you know well you didn't want to give her everything all at once you know no I'm gonna I'm gonna wait five years for some of it five years <laughs> here's the time capsule in 20 years you can read what I was feeling right now right now you're like well someday when you're a mother I'll share things with you she becomes a mom well you only have one kid so when you have three kids then we can talk Let's about talk. this that's right and then when she gets more kids than that, I can't even remember what it was like. Well, well, isn't this a difficult challenge for any parent out there? I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm, I would be led to believe that most people kind of intuitively know that we got to share more with our kids today than ever before. 
I don't think we intuitively know that intuitively know that at all, actually. Well, no, I didn't say that we logically know that. Let, let me explain. I think logically we go to the place we can't share things with our kids because we're trying to protect them from all of our insecurities, things that they may be disappointed about with us. Um, we want to protect them from fails that may make them embarrassed about their family or give them you know, some sort of lack of hope that we don't have all the answers. So I think logically we go to this place where we're trying to say, you know what, that's not smart. That's not good. We don't want to give our kids ideas that, that we doubt ourselves or that you know we question if we're doing the right things. Well, and can I, can I add that we want to be this firm foundation for our kids. But we're human, so maybe sometimes we're a squishy foundation. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I, I was wrong by saying intuitively. I meant to say instinctually. Like our instincts are, gosh, we got to help our kids, and we want influence over our kids. Problem is, is I, I think we don't. I think we undervalue how much our kids want us to share with them our stories. And I, and I think and I agree with that. 100%. I, I I just you know I I've sat across well not across I've sat in rooms for many years now with parents opening up and sharing things with their teenagers and kids in general different age groups or different age times sharing things that the kids had never heard before were totally shocked not bad shocked but like wow their minds were so blown at that moment the last thing they were gonna do was roll their eyes and turn away and dismiss their parents as credible resources of information life. In fact, the opposite happened. They sat up in their chairs. I've had kids that would sit in, in our counseling sessions and not look and make eye contact with their parents, and then their parents say something way out of left field that they never would have thought their parents would acknowledge or admit, usually things the kids that already thought and knew about their parents and as soon as they heard their parents, if you could see me again, we'll be on YouTube soon. But if you see me again, I'm pretending to look down at like the corner of the room. And then all of a sudden a parent will say something and the kid like looks up. And then they kind of look back down the corner like, wait, they caught me looking. And then now they're sitting there going, the curiosity is killing me. And their head slowly gets turned towards their parents because like, I can't miss this. My mom could be crying. My dad could be scared. I may see something that's very human in them that they can relate to. And I, I agree completely with what you said. You know, we, we compete with their strengths, but man, those things that our parents are sharing that they don't understand, that they don't have figured out, that they're scared of. Most parents will say things like, well, my parent, my kids know that I'm worried about their future. My kids know that I'm scared of these things. My kids are tired of hearing me say that. But like I said, it's different to report what you're scared and worried about versus sharing how you even got that fear in the first place. Where in your That's, life did you have a fail that made you think you're insecure and you're scared that you're going to infect your kids with your own insecurities and flaws? And that's a human part where all of our kids want us to say things that makes them extraordinarily curious and interested in us. YouTube, um, you know, certain TV shows, Netflix stuff... There's always something that they don't see that's coming. Nobody wants to see the plot a mile away. When parents start to talk and a kid goes, here we go. I could finish the next 30 minutes because my parents have said this over and over again. But when there's a plot twist, there seems to be a obvious, not obvious, there seems to be a huge focus on what's coming next. Your teenager, your kid can be like, wait, I didn't expect that coming. Oh, shoot, what's coming next? Now they're laser-focused and waiting at the edge of their seat. What could my po parents possibly have been keeping from me for the whole entire life that I didn't know? And it doesn't have to be big, huge things. It could just be small little epiphanies that's not about you trying to control them and you not trying to make them see life through the rose-colored glass you want them to see it. It could be you just sharing something about life that shows how scary, how hurt, how fearful how you know worrisome life really can be and how you might be going through that yourself. So I think that there's got to be a difference here because I, I think that we have to be able to say something to our kids without making it their burden. So that's what 
Well, that's the fear. That's what I felt. That's the fear. That's what I felt. feel worried about. And that's what I felt like. And and I'll go back to um, with Corey. And I I was twenty four seven worried about his choices and what was going on. And I he was so unhappy, and I didn't I didn't know how to get him to talk to me. And like I was just worried all the time. But when I told him, I'm really scared because of the way you're behaving. I really felt like that per- that put a burden on him. And I didn't, like, I wasn't wanting to add to his burden, right? Even with Quincy, I mean, I think that, and, and, and my kids in general not just Quincy. I don't want to tell them my problems to give them things to worry about and and <laughs> lay awake at night about, um, which is, I think, why I wanted to be able to tell her what I was worried about and then tell her the solution that I was working on um, so that she wouldn't think that she needed to carry it for me. Um, and so how can you share it without making it a burden. And and so in the same way, like as we're as I'm sitting here realizing, okay, so the tables are turned situation. Our kids also don't want to be a burden on anyone. Nobody likes to be a burden. Whether it's me trying not wanting to be a burden on my family or my kids or spouse not wanting to be a burden on me. How do you share feelings without burdening people with that? Well, first is, off, is there an answer to that? No, first off, I think that there's a misconception. Okay. Find me a family that's not affected, aka, I'm going to use this in, in what I believe is the wrong term, a burden to one another. If you have an alcoholic mother or an alcoholic father, aren't their issues a burden to their kids in some way, shape, or form? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I've counseled lots of alcoholic parents or parents with addictions that would say, hey, I didn't want to share this with my kids. I didn't want to be a burden. I didn't want to worry them. I wanted to figure it all out. Once I got figured all out, it was going to be a happy story and ending, and it was really going to all work out. But we're in this together. So, yeah, I could see why parents would say, I don't want – I want to share my personal – vulnerabilities. I want to share things with my kids, especially when they're getting older. They really need to know. Mm -hmm. What are they going to learn from the world? You want them to learn how to be, you want your daughter to learn how to be a woman, to learn how to deal with, you know, all these different types of stresses that you deal with as a woman, as a mother and wife, you know, all this business owner. You want her to learn how to do this from YouTube? Or do you want to be a person that's showing her and talking to her about what you're experiencing going through? So to use the word when parents say, I don't want to burden my kids with this information, too late. Hmm. Too late. That's like kids saying, I don't want to burden my parents with my problems and I'm suicidal. I've never met a parent that said, I don't want my kid to tell me that they're suicidal because it'll stress me out and worry me. I hear parents say, I'm so glad that they told me, glad that they shared with me because even though I am worried, I don't want them to be dead. So same thing with a kid. It's like, all right. I want my parent to share with me what's going on as much as they can feel comfortable. And maybe they don't get it right. Maybe they kind of share a little too much. Maybe they kind of hold back a little bit. But I want them to openly talk about it because, yeah, the fear is that you'd be burdening them. But the reality of it is you're teaching them. You're informing them. You're helping them see life through your eyes. And since they came from you, what better eyes to see it from? not the rose-colored glasses that you want them to see it from. And that's the challenge with most parents. Most parents say, I don't want my kids to see it through reality. I want my kids to see it through optimism in the way it potentially could right, be. Right, right. Who are we? Is- like, like to, to say, like, I don't want to burden my kids with my stress, that's like a kid saying, I don't want to burden my parents with my problems. Parents don't really feel burdened by it. You're going to worry anyways. 
kids don't really feel like kids aren't going to sit up all night long worrying about you 24-7. Trust me. They're worrying about their friend, why they didn't text them back. They're worrying about why this guy or this girl didn't like them. or They got other stuff to worry about. Like, don't actually think you're that important to her. And I'm speaking to you right now. What you should be thinking of, for all you parents out there, is don't think about, I don't want to burden my kids. Here's the best way to say it. And using the and, something that we talk about here in our podcast. I don't want my kids to take on my problems as their own. And the reality of it is my problems affect them so they deserve to have knowledge and understanding of what I'm going through so that they can help better figure out how to support me. It's the same thing a parent wants to do. I want to know what my kids are going through so I can better figure out how to support you. To, To think that your kids don't want to support you, it's a misconception because they're in this teenage years They seem like they're self-consumed. They seem like they only care about themselves, but it's not actually 100% accurate. Yes, they are self-focused in lots of ways, but they're not dumb either. They can't live a life knowing, oh, it doesn't matter if my parents have cancer or die or not, I'll be fine. No, their survival is hitched to your wagon. Yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting because I do think, and I'm thinking back, like, also to to my growing up and my relationship with my parents right now. And as an adult, um, my parents are starting to experience stuff that that I've known was going to happen my whole life, um, but but it's hard, right? And um. I mean, my dad. He doesn't. He doesn't want to come and be a be a burden to me. And when he tells me that, I I don't feel like it's a burden. I want help in any way that I can. But also, I can't be a mind reader, and so I I need. It'd him be to, a really burden if he didn't tell you till it was too late. I, I need him to help me know so that I can come through for them when they when they need me. Um, the other thought that I had was that when things don't add up, meaning that if like, if something's happening at home and then you're acting a different way when you're out or kids start to get old enough that they're like, They can see on the inside, but then they're also seeing the outside, and they're like, okay, this isn't... Something's not matching. Something doesn't measure up. That creates a a lot of conflict um, for kids because they're they're trying to figure out, like, wait, so which is it? Kids, number one, um, so their social support groups are, you know, they're they're friends. They're hypersensitive and concerned about if there's a disturbance there, if something's off. But their families, families are a social group as well. These are two groups that are vital to your survival. Kids also need to know that there's not a disturbance, there's not something breaking down the structural foundation of that family group because that family group is going to provide them survival. And even though they may not logically be thinking about this, this is in our DNA, this is in our biology. So when families have their stuff and I'm doing air quotes together, meaning not completely jacked up and have a pretty good, you know, rhythm going and, you know, they're working with their kids, they're evolving, you know, they're listening to Light the Fight. Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, they're getting all the, they're listening to all the other good podcasts, reading good books, or like me, listening to good books. When all this stuff is going on and they're progressing and they're changing, then in those situations, kids are, are looking at their family, okay, my family looks like it's pretty stable, now I can go and take on and I can go focus on my own personal development right. and moving forward. But when kids come from toxic stress family environments, when kids come from, and I'm using the extreme, first of all, like abusive homes, those are considered toxic stress family environments. They're in such a flight or f- fight or flight mode, such a survival mode, their normal development and personal progress, psychologically, mentally, is not 
they're not able to keep up with where they're supposed to be at because their support system, the, the place that they're supposed to have everything together is on shaky ground. And when that's on shaking ground, it throws all their other developmental stages off. It makes it really hard for them to develop their own personality, characteristics, talents, and attributes because they're not coming from a safe place. They're coming from a place of insurity. So even in a good family like yours, even in a situation where everything seems to be going good, if they see a disturbance or something off, their little spider sense like, doo, 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 doo. wait, 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 wait. Something's off with mom and it's been going on for multiple weeks now. This isn't mom's normal regular moodiness and then she bounces back. She's fine. Then they start to focus in. Sometimes they get irritated with mom because they're angry that they don't know how to help you. They're frustrated because your frustration is coming out towards them. So this dialogue of having open conversations with your kids, you're never going to know what's too much information to share, what's not enough information to share. But to say, I can't share things with my kids because it is too much, you don't know. You don't really know until you start talking and you see their reaction. When you see how much, you'll be able to tell if this information is helping your kid, not helping your kid. I had a mother last month come in and tell me some things that she shared with her daughter. She said, I've never shared insecurities like that with my daughter. I felt like I shared so much. She goes, but I got to admit, it felt so good. And the daughter came in and said, it's about dang time. I knew something was going on with my mom. She found out her and mom had a whole lot more in common than they thought. The mom thought, I'm a bad mom for sharing all these things I shouldn't be sharing with a teenage girl. But then the mom, because she listened to the podcast, said, and it felt so good. And she and I had the longest talk. We cried. We hugged each other. She was, I felt like I had a friend in my own household. I said, yeah. So was that bad? She goes, no. Were you scared to do it? She goes, yeah. Why didn't you do all these years? Because I thought if I did it, I'm a bad parent. See, we don't really know unless we go. Like, we got to slowly start putting something out there, testing where our kids can handle, if it's helpful to them. Because this is a case-by-case situation. Certain kids are certain ages. You would think, all right, well, we can't share this with a 14-year-old, but we could share it with an 18-year-old. You may be right. But some 14-year-olds aren't on the same developmental stage as other 14-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Some 14-year-olds, like an oldest daughter, may be like, Mom, you need to tell me what's stressing you out now because it's stressing me out. <laughs> right. Well, and, and that's where Quincy was, yeah, right? And so I think I think that the point I wanted to make and, and what I feel like I learned is that as parents, and, and I feel like this is this is ultimately what we talk about in our in, in the parenting workshop, like this is part of it, is that as parents, we have the ability to really set a tone in in our home. and we and we're going to do it knowingly or unknowingly. Either way, we're setting this tone and we're creating um, the culture. And um, if if we are giving off good vibes and safe vibes, our kids are going to feel that. But if we're putting off, I'm scared, I'm mad, I'm resentful, <laughs> I'm, you know, what whatever they're going to feel that too. And I think it's okay to be scared or mad. But if we help our if we help connect the dots so that our kids know maybe why we're scared or maybe why we're mad or maybe why we're resentful or maybe you know whatever, then it's like okay, well that makes sense. And then that kind of fortifies that safe environment, which I think that like if I'm feeling good and I, and I have good vibes, then I'm willing to be open. But then when I'm struggling, I would rather shut down and, and put on my headphones. And apparently I was storming around. I didn't even know. <laughs> I'm laughing because if I had a peso for every time, a parent was going into just this frantic, fearful stressed out, I don't know why my kid's not talking to me, and just panicking. With the kid in the same room, and they're just kind of breaking down, sharing these things. And I look over at the kid. <laughs> I get this look, when I say kid, it most likely is an older kid, like teenager. If I had a peso for every time the kid looked at me, it was like, 
okay, do you want to tell her or do you want me to tell her the reason why I'm not open up and talking to that person? <laughs> <laughs> like you're looking at this person freaking out, losing themselves like, I'm so worried. And, there's a, there's a, and they're like, and I just want them to talk to me. I don't know why they don't talk to me. And the kids look at me like, okay, do you want to be the one to tell her like, I'm not talking to that person? Nobody wants to talk to that person. Nobody right. wants to talk to that boss that's freaking out. Nobody wants to talk to the person. It's like they look like they can't handle one more thing. Do you think your kid wants to be the straw that breaks your back? No. So being able to be vulnerable and talk about some of your day-to-day stresses is a great way to... But it makes you relatable. I need to, like, just saying, you know, I need to let you know. That was releasing the air out of a a ball or balloon. So they don't stab the ball. There it is. Don't stab the balls. Um, so you got my joke. Honey. You know, when you say like, hey, you guys, I'm really sorry. I know I've been stomping around here and I know. And, I, and you know, I I threw that, what you know, whatever. And, and then say, I, you know, maybe this or that, this is going wrong at work or this is really stressing me out or, you know. I'm, I'm going to use an example from my house. If, if that... Gr- garbage could just somehow leave my presence at the end of the night, then I wouldn't have to be this mad. <laughs> but I think when when we can, I mean, I like what you're saying. And I don't know why, like, again, this is just so typical of me being so late to the party and like such a slow learner. Um, well, it's no different. Think about, and I'm using because I know a lot of our listeners are women. I'm hoping that you women at some point in your life have had this experience. Let's say you got a friend group or let's say you meet a woman at work, church, whatever it may be. And you're already looking at this woman going, wow, she's very attractive. Wow. She has it together. She looks perfect. And you're comparing yourself already, or at least you're looking at her saying, wow, like there's a part of you that may want to like hate her. And there's a part of you. that's like, well, I kind of want to be her friend. Cause like, you know, maybe you know, I could like, you know, get some of that, you know, confidence if I'm close to her and then this woman out of nowhere says oh my gosh like I think I forgot to to do something or dang I'm such an idiot like gosh why and she just starts like make fun of herself it's like man I sat here and I did my hair for two hours like if I can only do my hair in 30 minutes and not be so caring about what everybody thinks about my hair and just starts going off exposing her insecurities out in public in front of you there's this moment of like Oh my gosh. Yeah, you like that person so much better. I like you now. Because now I don't have to worry about comparing myself to you because I realize you're already hard enough on yourself as it is. And you're admitting that you go to these huge extreme and lengths. And then you just like you just admit that you're not normal and you're freaked out and you're insecure. I like you already. And you're actually just like me. Exactly. So now put that in perspective of a parent talking to their kid. If the parent is the one who's like, I have it all together. Everything's fine. And the kid's sitting there going, well, I want to expose you to the world because I've seen you freak out. I've seen you lose it. You don't have it all together. And the parent's like, well, I may not be perfect, but I work really hard. I do all these things every day. If the parent's trying to defend I brought you into this the world. way they look, I brought you <laughs> in this world. The parent's trying to keep their persona, their public relations you know, persona up. And the teenager's sitting there saying, well, you're not perfect. There's nowhere to connect there. You're not going to want to open up and be vulnerable and talk to someone unless you see them be willing to go first. And this is your opportunity. And this is why Heidi and I want to talk about this is the thought is really to share or not to share. But the reality of it is, is it's not about if you're going to share with them. It's figuring out how much to share with them. And you got to start somewhere. You will see on your kid's face how the conversation goes. If you're close to helping them understand what you're going through and if it gives them relief, or if you're just circling the conversation and you're just reporting your struggles instead of really tapping into talking about them in a very honest, sincere way. So, TBH, I have some kids that are more hard on me and some kids that are have more compassion. Well, the ones that are hardest on you, be agreeable with them, <laughs> acknowledge that they're right, and take everything that they throw at you. And they'll stop throwing it at you. See, the natural inclination is to defend yourself from someone's attacks. Or just to get so snarky. Yeah. 
<laughs> or to get butt hurt, like I said earlier. <laughs> you know but, that that's my least favorite term. Really? Yeah. Butt hurt? Yeah. Why don't you like butt hurt? Because I mean, listen to it. It's terrible. I could say it four more times. <laughs> Didn't we already? I'm sorry. I'm the this? I'm the younger brother. To all of our <laughs> listeners, I apologize if you haven't told. I'm an antagonist. I was the younger brother. I got beat up by all my siblings. All I could do is be a smart ass. So you know? I'm gonna have to start like. I'm gonna have to start. Like, we could say masturbate if you prefer that yeah, word. Yeah, well, that's a, another. Because we talked I, about, and if you go back to our our discussion gonna, about porn, she didn't like the word masturbate. What we're gonna do is we're gonna put a little bulletin board up of the words to avoid. <laughs> Both those words. <laughs> well, that sounds like a burden. <laughs> no, but go, going back to it, it's it's just people are more likely, regardless what age they are. To just acknowledge if someone is actually trying to put themselves out there and make themselves relatable, or if someone's just reporting hard times that they've been through, because that's not being vulnerable. Yeah, reporting really, it is not yeah. being vulnerable. I you love, really got to tap into it. I love that you made that distinction because that's a huge distinction. Reporting your feelings and sharing your feelings—that is—that is a huge distinction. And um. I'd never, I'd never thought of it that way, because I'm really good at being like, yeah, well, I'm ticked. That's a report. <laughs> you know, like, and so I think the report is is that statement, and that that does drive a wedge, uh, or can drive a wedge. But the sharing is, you know, oh. The sharing is I'm ticked because I'm tired because I'm blaming myself for all these things that I didn't do. And it's really pointing all the, instead of pointing it at them, like, what are they not doing? It's going, why am I even feeling like this? Why am I so angry at this kid who I gave my whole entire life to taking care of them? Is this something with me? Am I embarrassed that they're going to expose me and make me look bad? Am I worried that if they don't act or behave a certain way, somehow that that's going to make me look to the world like I'm incapable? Oh, yeah, and I already have fears that everybody thinks I'm incapable. Oh, maybe that's why I'm so ticked because I'm tired of trying to make everything be the way I want it to be. If you just acknowledge and say that, the person listening is like, at least we can agree on that. (laughs) I've never heard a parent admit those things or take criticism from their kids and their kids say, yeah, okay, yeah, sounds about right. They're going to agree with you. They're going to go along with it. That solves so much of the contention if we're willing to model for our kids. We have feelings. We share our feelings. And by sharing feelings, it makes the relationship understood. It makes the person relatable. And it makes the kid have a chance to be able to support their parents and pay back a little bit to what their parents gave to them. Believe it or not, our kids want to pay us back They just don't know any other way to pay us back except to be obedient to the things we want them to be obedient to. But if they can pay us back by helping us, wow, that increases their confidence. I helped the person who brought me into this world figure out a problem. High five to me. Every kid's going to feel good about themselves if they can do that. And and the reality is that whole thing, like if if mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. You know, it, it makes everybody in the household uncomfortable when mom's mad. I would agree. And so I think that if there can, you know, if you if you do need to be mad or if you are mad and you can let people know rather than expecting them to read your mind um, or, you know, being being open and, and helping them understand why you're mad, then that doesn't mean you don't, you don't have to be mad. You're not allowed to be mad. But, let, you know, everybody's going to get on the page. If you can share with your kids, it doesn't matter if you've screwed this up your whole entire kids' lives. You've never been vulnerable. You've never opened up to them. If you can share with them more today than you've done the past, even if you're acknowledging that you need to be more open and honest with what you're going through, it just does so much. Our kids really need to see that us as older people, we haven't stopped learning. That we can learn to. When our kids see that we're trying to change, that we're seeing gosh, I got issues. I didn't realize that I was so sensitive to you saying these things to me. Or I remember this one parent, she told her daughter, she said, you know what? I don't blame you for not wanting to talk to me. I've said so many mean things to you. I've always criticized you. I've been so hard on you. It may take five years for me to get your trust back, 
but I don't care if it takes 20 years. You mean more to me. I'm going to start talking less and listening more. And eventually I believe that you're going to get trust back in me because I don't think you want to not talk to me. I just think I have never given you a reason to trust me. The daughter was like, dang it. Now I'm not, I'm like half is I'm all my anger, like 75% of my anger turned my mom went away in one conversation. I'm mad at her because I was planning on being angry at her for the rest of my life. I already said she wasn't invited to my wedding. Like this daughter had all this, like she's not coming to my wedding. And I'm sitting there going, okay, you're 16. Don't worry about that yet. But then after one conversation, she starts crying. She's like, I still want to be mad at you, but I can't. I love you. And it took a lot longer than that. But one conversation just gave a breath of fresh air to the relationship. I like that you said that because do you know how many people write into us and say, well, what do I do if I've done this my whole entire life? What do I do <laughs> if I've been questioning my whole entire life? What do I do if I've been freaked out my whole entire life? And, and, I, and I do like what you said is that really um, in these family relationships, we want, we, we want that love and acceptance and we, we want to forgive. We don't want to disappoint. We, we want to work through these things. And so I think when the effort is made, you know, pe- people want to forgive. The jail time is less if you admit guilt. Your kids will have less resentment, hold your past against you. They're going to let you out of that imprisonment of I can't trust you, I can't open up and talk to you. If you come to the court of family law and say, you know what, I screwed up in these specific areas. Don't You don't need to say I'm a horrible parent, I suck. I mean, that's just too extreme. Here's where I screwed up. I need to work on that. I need to get better. That resentment, that anger and frustration towards you that probably would have lasted months or a year, your sentence has been drastically shortened. Yeah. Well, I love that. So I think and there's a lot of good a lot of good takeaways there. And so I hope everybody listening um, could could re- could relate to that a little bit. Okay. So we said we were gonna answer do we have time? Let's do, let's do a couple of quick ones. Okay. Here we go. Let me find. Um, so. By the way, thank you to everyone that's listened to this podcast. You can tell. If I start off with really bad jokes in the beginning, I'm trying to start an engine that's just not <laughs> starting. And I was like, yeah, I was like punch drunk walking in here. And so thank you for sticking it out with us through all the bad jokes. All right. So I think that this question kind of, it, it actually kind of segues I mean, it, it's kind of connected to what we just talked about. So um, I want to start out also by thanking the people, um, those folks who asked these questions. These are questions that came from one of our Don't Freak Out events. And um, we didn't get to it, and so we like to share a couple questions here. So this is our rapid-fire question session um, with David. So here it goes. Now that my daughter has moved out of the house and 18 – how do I continue to have a positive influence on her? How do I give her advice when she's closed off and really wanting independence? Has my window closed now? First of all, you should tell her that you've made the mistake in trying to do all those things her whole entire life. So everything that you said, how do I get my daughter to have a relationship with me? How do I do all those things you just said? How do I do that now that she's leaving? The best thing you could do is go to her and say, listen. I know that I've been desperate. Debbie, hopefully your name's not Debbie, whoever sent that. <laughs> it's just a met. It's just, you know, it rhymes with desperate. I've been desperate, Debbie. I've been trying so hard to have a relationship with you. And I think back in my own life, my closest relationships had to be formed natural. And I've tried to push things on you. I've tried you to have you live your certain life. By the way, don't sit here and say, I've only done it because I love you. No one wants to hear that crap. They're adults now. Teenagers don't want to hear that crap. It's obvious that you love them. You gave birth to them. You fed them. That's a given. <laughs> That's okay. crap. Yeah. Quit saying the obvious things. Okay. It's like, I don't know if you knew this, but the sun rises in the east. Okay. We know that. Okay. Every morning it rises in the east. Jeez, harsh. So, and this is just, you're talking about a, an adult. Adults don't, older teenagers, adults, they don't want to hear that bull crap. They just want to hear truth. So if you acknowledge and you say, listen, I've tried too hard to do these things. Recently, I've been even scared saying our relationship get get even worse, but I actually believe our relationship's going to get better. And here's why it's going to get better. Because I'm going to quit trying so hard to govern your life, to tell you how to avoid pitfalls and that. Instead, I'm going to start doubling down on confidence that you're going to figure this out. I'm going to be your best cheerleader. If I have any criticism or doubt, I'm going to shut up because you're probably going to prove me wrong. 
So thanks for being a daughter of mine. Thanks for giving me a chance. Let me prove to you that I'm not going to be that same mother and I'm going to give you the respect that you deserve as an adult and just trust that you're naturally not going to avoid me and that you're going to want to hang out with me more because I'm not going to be trying to suffocate you with all the things I want you to talk about and think about. Instead of being scared we're going to have a bad relationship, I'm going to trust that a relationship's only going to get better. That's what you say to her or something along those lines. Yeah, which is... And then do that. <laughs> yeah, and then you got to back. Then you can't say after. Then don't say, did you get what I said? Like, is that okay that I said that to you? Because, like, I really don't want to complicate things. Yeah, just shut up after you say it. Mic drop, walk away. And you say it with such confidence that when you walk away, your daughter's like, dang, we got to my mom. She's kind of, wow, like, maybe she is. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I think that's good. Um. Okay. Next one. One more. How do I help my child? create better habits when they resist the routine I'm trying to create, i.e. bedtime routine so that they will get decent sleep. Give them the opportunity to come up with a better plan. Give them a set amount of time to exercise that plan, but also give very specific things that they're going to go without if they don't fall through that plan. So say, I tell you what, if it's not working, obviously this isn't working. Why don't you come up with a plan? Let's say, let's try something different for three weeks. Let's say every single week you do this. Go to bed by this time. Usually they'll say, hey, I just need my phone to help me get to sleep better. Okay? I just need this or my bedtime should be this other time. I say, okay, tell you what, we'll give you that. But you're going to be waking up at this time still, right? You have to set the parameters. Let them create this as an experiment. Then say, if you don't do these things, then you then agree to go without something if you don't follow through. Because a lot of times, young people's ideas are just that. They're ideas. I love it when young people tell me, well, I'd just be successful and get better grades and my parents just quit and nag me about it. I'm like, have your parents always nagged you? They said, yep. I said, well, then you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. That's just a guess at best. Mm -hmm. Let them find out. Say, so I'll give you three weeks. If your way works better and you can get to bed on time and wake up and not be tired and still get up on time, Okay, you can do that, but I'm not going to wake you up. I'm not going to be your alarm clock. And if you don't go to school on time and you fall short, blah, 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 and you don't, you know, you just slip through the cracks for these three weeks, then that's on you. And we'll try it a different way. You got to experiment while there's room to work with it. Because if the relationship starts going to blows, trust me, you got bigger fish to fry in your life as a parent. You don't need to be fighting about bedtime when you got mortgages to pay jobs to get to, trust me, let an experiment opportunity, but it can't just be like, fine, do it your way. You got to set up some parameters and some realistic expectations and a time limit. I would suggest three weeks. Okay. So last one. Yeah, go for it. Um, and, and this is a question that we've heard. We've, we've gotten this question a lot of times in DMs and I, and we've even talked about it alive, but I, I still think it bears repeating. Um, so Sorry for everybody who's maybe heard Dave, David talk about this before. I don't want to freak out, but how do I still let my child know their behavior is unacceptable? Because this is classic Heidi problem, right? Because I think it's my job to freak out. It's my responsibility, it's my moral obligation as a parent to freak out when my kids do something wrong, right? No, that's not right. So, David, go ahead. <laughs> so repeat the question one more time. I don't want to freak out, but how do I still let my child know their behavior is unacceptable? I don't want to freak out. Okay, well, that's amazing that you don't want to freak out. By the way, whoever said this, I'm just, I'm being a little sarcastic, okay? So that's good. That's good. You don't want to. And then read the second part. How do I still let my child know their behavior is unacceptable? Well, telling them... And complaining to them, I'm guessing you've tried that one, whoever answered, whoever sent in this question. Oh, I'm sure. And that I'm that, guessing that. it probably doesn't go so well. So what I'd suggest is do not underestimate the power of promising your kids you won't freak out, you won't nag them, but just get them to say, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, I'm not going to make it personal. At the end of the week, here's just what you're going to go without. See, that's the problem. 
She doesn't want to freak out, but then she still wants to make them know it's unacceptable. Because it's her job. Because it's her job. <laughs> you know how companies let you know you're not doing a good job? They don't pay you. They demote you. They let you go sometimes. Okay? Your kid, a little bit different. But the concept is the same. You don't have to say everything. See, parents, they want to, you're begging and pleading. You want to use your words because you don't want to consequence them. And I'm saying you pull back your words, let their actions do their own consequences, and then now you have to deal with an unhappy kid that doesn't have a freedom that they want. And that's okay because you're not dealing with an unhappy kid that you're being unfair to. You're just dealing with an unhappy kid. See, if you make it personal and you start saying, see, I told you you can do that. See, now you're going to go without this. You're going to have to see, you're going to be in trouble. Don't get mad at me if you don't get what you want at the end of this. Shut up. Don't say anything except for, okay, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to back off. If you do it, great. That's fine. If you don't do it, then I'm not going to make it personal anymore and make you feel bad about it. You're just going to give up the keys of the car. You're going to turn on your cell phone for a day. Do we have an agreement? Otherwise, I can go back and yelling at you, nagging you. You'd be surprised how often kids say, yes, don't talk to me about it. Let me just do it. And if I don't do it the way you want me to do it, well, then that's fine. But you have to stay back. You can't be wanting to not freak out and telling them what they're doing is wrong at the same time. That's horrible management. Horrible management. Great managers, great directors say, here's the rules, here's what's expected. And if you break them, it's not personal. We still like you and we ain't going to pay you. Right. So. But man, it's tough. Parents do not want to deal with the, my parents, my child's going to be mad. This is going to happen. You're right. Well, you're right. Guess what? You don't get to parent and make everybody happy at the same time. Right. Which also sucks because it's so much easier to live with happy people. If you're a boss, find me a rule, something that you create for the company that makes everybody happy. Er, doesn't exist. Find me a company where everybody feels like they get paid what they're worth. Er, doesn't exist. So what you do is you just don't make it personal. That's your best play, best move. And I and I mean I I kind of pulled that question because. <laughs> This is this is the foundation. Yeah, that last question was on a napkin, handwritten <laughs> by Heidi. This the handwritten the handwriting looks similar to mine. Um, I think that this is foundational and fundamental. We talk about this a lot, and my confession session for the end of today's episode is just that I I felt like if I didn't get mad, I wasn't being heard. And, and I had to drive it home with anger and with venom. I thought that was my responsibility. And, and, I, and I have tried it the other way. And you know what? I'm not perfect. I still freaking freak out from, from time to time. But I freak out less. And I get further with my kids. I get, I get further with everyone when I can stay calm and when I can be rational and when I can say, well, okay, well, then that's fine, but you have to do this. And usually people start not wanting to pay the consequences. And so there is rules. There are rules and there are consequences. We don't have to be mad. And so the mad is what makes it really hard to have the relationship, really. And and I can and I can preach this. I can talk about it. It's still it's still so hard for me. Um, and I'm imagining that a lot of you who are listening, it's hard for you too. But as long as we keep trying, and when we do fall short, we apologize and we try again, then we're on the right track. I really, I really believe that. Anyway, all right. Well, so you guys, thank you. Um, thank you, as always, for showing up. Thank you for listening to... Um, thank you for having chores to do and lawns to be mowed now springtime because I know 
that's a sweet spot for listening to a podcast. Absolutely. Washing absolutely. dishes. <laughs> and um, treadmills at the gym. Really quickly, we just want to chime in. Um, as always, we, we want to give a big thank you to our community sponsor. That is 1-800-CONTACTS. Um, we couldn't. We couldn't do this without them. We appreciate their support. Um, we appreciate every one of you guys for listening. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for supporting us. We thank you for telling your friends about it um, because that's how, that's how people are finding out from you guys. And we really, we appreciate it. And we know that the people who need this, who are, who need this information really appreciate it. Um, Last kind of little tidbit is that at lightthefight.com, we do sell some t-shirts, we sell some sweatshirts, and when you buy a t-shirt or a sweatshirt, we usually throw in a don't freak out band so that uh, you can have that solid reminder, but you can always head over to our website and support us um, via those swag items, and also check out our website to find out about any upcoming events or parenting workshops that we are offering. So that's a great place to kind of stay connected to us. Um, and like I said, as always, thank you so much for listening. Um, thank you for not freaking out. And thank you for helping us to light the fight.